Welcome to the Wander Learn Show. I'm your host, Frank Stapon. In this episode, I have Brad Graff and Sam Sliman, who I interviewed uh, several months ago in the podcast. You can see the show notes for the links to that previous episode where we talked about the Drakensberg Traverse. They were asking me a bunch of questions about how to prepare for it, and they started debating it. We talked about safety issues and everything like that. Well, here I have them back now that they've done it. They did five days on the Drakensberg Traverse in South Africa, and they went through hell. And this podcast is all about that. So you'll definitely want to enjoy it. And you'll also want to go to the YouTube video where they show a lot of the pictures of their adventure. So you'll find that in the link as well. And also my most extreme backpacking adventure, which is in the Julian Alps. So tune in, enjoy this 17-minute episode with Brad Graff and Sam Sliman. Five wet days on the Drakensberg Traverse. Brad, start us off. Tell us what the hell happened. I don't know the details, by the way, so I'm excited to hear everything. Everything I'm going to hear is first-hand knowledge. I just know that you did encounter a few troubles. We had a few troubles. <laughs> uh, it was... Um, so we had uh, three people join us this time. This is our ninth, our ninth uh, mountain man adventure. We thought this was going to be hard, but reasonable. You know, kind of on paper, it was... Yeah, 45 miles, less than 10 miles a day, some elevation. We had a GPX track. We're going to be fine. Hold on. Before you dive right in, Sam, can you give a quick overview of the Drakensberg Traverse and what you did? You did, like, what's the section? And then I'll go back to Brad. Yeah, so we, we did. Because some people don't even know Dra- Drakensberg is in South Africa, for example. Yeah, and, well, and it's really a crime that more people don't know about the Drakensberg because it is really incredible. And that's, you know, the first takeaway is that the location is amazing. And uh, as far as a, a great multi-day backpacking trip, the whole Drakensberg Traverse is something like 200 kilometers, right? Uh, I think, Francis, you've done it for yeah, at yeah. least a large portion of it. I did the whole thing. Yeah, 205 yeah, kilometers, yeah. right? So we did, I think, what's classically known as the Northern Drakensberg Traverse, which is the first, call it, 45 to 50 miles, mm-hmm. starting at the Sentinel Car Park and, and ending at the Cathedral Peak Hotel. God, let's go back to Brad now. I think the big fly in our appointment this time was the weather. And, uh, you know, I remember I'm, uh, I joined a Drakensberg Facebook group six months ago, and early September, so about a month, uh, two months ago, I saw a picture of somebody that was out there and there's some snow on the ground. And I, I WhatsApp the guy saying, ha ha ha, there's some snow on the ground. <laughs> Not expecting we're going to have any snow in mid-October in the Drakensberg. So, um, but anyway, uh, there, was so, <laughs> so there was snow, there was snow and there was we, rain and there was we sleep. started getting rain. <laughs> on uh on day two so it was a for us it was five days four nights we started getting rained on um midday on day two and it did not let up until the night of day four and what was problematic on this is um we had three guys this is their first time really doing backpacking and even for sam and i we've hiked in the rain we've hiked a lot in the rain yeah. But we've never had a setup 
and take down tents in the rain multi-day where they don't dry out. So what we found out, you know, one day doesn't hurt you. But when you get into the second day, you, you're crawling into your wet tent. I have pictures. I have water because it's not exactly level. Water is pooling at the in my tent inside like there's an inch of water, you know, in the in the back corner. It's just crazy. And and it uh, drops down to uh, freezing um, uh, at night. So fortunately, we, you know, staved off hypothermia. So like, there, it wasn't like we were going to die, but it was right. really uncomfortable. Did you have down sleeping bags or synthetic? Down. Down, yeah. yeah so yeah, and, down. and they got wet and then you're really fucked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So oh, they, they weren't soaked. We, yeah. We, we, this isn't our first rodeo. So we were pretty careful about keeping the important stuff dry. Um, uh, we had to, uh, amongst the group and five of us, we sort of had to share some clothes and things because others got all of, or most of their clothes wet. And, you know, like Brad's saying, even during the day, you know, there was some 30 degree temperatures, hmm. uh, mid thirties, high thirties at night. Of course it was freezing probably in, into the high twenties for a night or two. Um, yeah, so, in my opinion, yeah. by the way, the worst weather you can possibly have is right around freezing temperatures and rain. That's like exactly. the worst possible weather. And exactly. if you get that sustained, uh, you mentioned Brad about two days is about the, I would say more like three days is where I find like where things just start to collapse, where all of a sudden nothing dries out, but whatever you call it, yeah. two days, three days. But the point is, is that when it's just relentless nonstop and there's no periods to dry out, it's really fucking terrible and it's really well, hard. We, it's psychologically, it's challenging. Go ahead. Sam. Yeah. We, we, uh, what, what was it? 15 hours we spent in our tent that one day, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> in our tents. It's like, yeah. you know, you lay there for 15 hours and you get some good sleep, but you know, it's like you didn't come out. You were laying there because you, the weather was just torrential outside yeah, and you I mean, just didn't it, want to get out. And well, so you're it was nice. Making... We got okay. into camp early. It was raining. So everybody kind of, ate their meals inside their own tents and then it was and then we you know slept through the night but then in the morning it's raining still raining and we kind of had to wait for a break to take our tents down okay so brad one of the key concerns you had back when we had our discussion in the podcast before was safety issues regarding you know potential you know mm. robberies and things like that tell me uh did you have any incidents brad so short answer is nothing happened but um, the one we were concerned about snakes and, um, uh, there's like four adders there. Um, and Jamie heard a snake three hours into the track, just to the right of the trail. So we kind of scurried by, we never saw it, but, um, what we could hear. It. So there was one snake, but no problems with snakes. Second, we were worried about, um, I guess call it the local, um, herdsman. Uh, we just heard some things, uh, um, just to be, be careful of, we, um, after the first two hours of the hike, we didn't see anybody at all for five days until the uh, last day we saw, uh, Lesotho, uh, herdsman. Um, and he kind of came up to us and we were, we gave him some, uh, cigarettes because apparently that's what one gives, um, the herdsman because that's, so he's like, you know, so anyway, um, but there was no problem. Seemed like a nice guy, <laughs> so uh, so we know this. So safety wise, um, 
uh, and then like the trail and the, and the conditions, it, it, there were some like, sketchy parts, but nothing too much. Yeah. So basically so was, the, okay. the weather actually maybe potentially improved your safety in the sense of at least being assaulted, which is one of the issues that we were talking about potentially happening. We, we I was saying right. it's a 1% chance. It's really low probability, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, there's, there's that chance. Um, it's worse than other trails in America as far as safety reasons, but it's still a pretty safe place. So probably all the thieves stayed home while you were getting rained on. That's probably true. And, uh, and I would expect that th there weren't any, many other hikers uh, there were on the first day because you start at the car park and then there's a, a fairly, you know, common trek or day trip or uh, an overnight trip people will take out to the, uh, is it Tagula Falls or Tagela Falls? Um, people will go camp there. And there was a group camping there the first night. We went about a quarter or a half mile um, south of there at a great, beautiful campsite. And it was a, a really nice day and a really nice night. Um, but then we didn't see anyone else after tell, that. Yeah, tell me right about the, the weather visibility. So sometimes it can rain, but you actually have okay visibility, and sometimes it's just foggy. How was it for you guys? A little bit of everything? Uh, oh, it varied. You know, um, the the worst of it was on, I think it was day three, Sam, if I remember correctly. Where That's when we had the sleet and the snow. Yeah. And it was pretty, right, okay. It was really low visibility. So you, you could, I mean, you could see... 20 30 yards but you couldn't you didn't have a sense of any of your surrounding um you know you had no landmarks and um you know so which brings us to probably one of the harder parts of this thing was a bunch of it there's no marked trails i mean i know you know that but um we we were expecting i guess to believe that there would be more kind of use trails that would be pretty easy to follow and it turns out that on a couple of the days or for a couple of stretches, there were some like single track things that you could go on. But some of it was you're just been in a wide open the escarpment and it's just grasses and whatever. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. And we had the GPX thing on our phone so you can kind of follow and say, hey, I'm getting off the trail. Like go left, go right. But you're just kind of blazing a trail through it. And when you're always checking your phone, one of the things I figured out was you can't have your gloves on. So um, for two days, I couldn't wear gloves because I was checking my phone every 10 minutes to make sure we were on the on the track. Um, so that was a little uncomfortable. But it was it was really weird. We've never been on a, a trail where you have to kind of figure out where you're going. That is a bit of that for sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, there are gloves, by the way, that allow you to touch things. They're specially made that they have sensors on the on the thumb and on the index fingers so that you can leave the gloves on, keeps you warm, and you can actually use your electronic devices, the touch screens, FYI, in case you ever think about buying those kind of gloves. Not that They're not that expensive either. Sam, the surprises, what totally surprised you about the trail? Uh, the lack of the trail, as Brad just <laughs> talked about, was uh, an eye opener. When you can see landmarks, uh, it, it's you know you have visibility. Then you can just you can say, okay, I know I need to go to this the the right end of this ridge, so I'm just going to head there. But when you can't see more than thirty or forty yards 
then you can't see any any sort of markers and it, it leads to this constantly checking the phone and you know you get off 10 minutes <clears throat> and you get off course in 10 minutes you can walk a long way and you can be really far off course so you, you have to constantly check but um the i would say the the real surprise and you know, anyone who's been hiking in the mountains knows that weather changes quickly, but I don't think I've ever seen it change as quickly as it did. And it may have something to do with, we were there in the shoulder season between winter and spring. Um, but I mean, it would be a perfectly beautiful day. And then all of a sudden you'd see this mist start to roll in. Next thing you know, it's a torrential downpour and then it would stop and, and, it, and it would go back and forth. And it was like, you couldn't figure out what to wear because as soon as you put your rain gear on, it stops raining and then you take it off and it rains again. And so uh, that was that was a little different. That was a little different. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Brad, uh, tell me about uh, some of the other aspects of the trail that you were just not expected. And what would you have done differently, you know, if you had to do it all over again? And I and also eventually I, I was curious if you guys want to do another segment over. You're like, OK, that was great. That was spectacular. That was fun. But never again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the last day was a humdinger. Yeah, I, I was just going to, that was going to, yeah, so the last day, Sammy, you can talk about the, uh, do we want to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the last day, we were, um, so context, right? We had been rained on for three days. We get into camp Thursday or day four, um, finally getting a break in the weather. We break out the stoves. We're having hot food again. We're feeling, hey, it's good. Um the next day, um, the mileage was only eight and a half miles. So we're like, eh, it's eight and a half miles and it's all downhill. You know, this is going to be, we're just going to cruise on down to the Cathedral Park Hotel. We'll be there in four or five hours. We're going to be in a hot shower before you know it. Fantastic. The next morning, we weren't even rushing for breakfast. We're like, we're having our third cup of coffee, having our eggs. I mean, we were feeling great, like top of the world. We had conquered this crazy thing. Well, we, we, we so we start about, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning, actually hiking. And um, it ends up taking us 12, no, 10, 10 hours to get to the bottom, 10 hours to go eight miles. Um, and I think it took us two hours, two or three hours to go the first mile. And it was, so there's, as, as you may, it was, you did the whole trek. Uh, did, uh, did you come down to Cathedral Peak Hotel? Did you take, or did you take a side thing or did you go, you kept going? No, so I just remembered, babe, because when I went there, I went with uh, one guy who was like 65 at the time and another woman who's like in her tw early twenties. And the woman in the twenties, she got injured. And we did have to go down. And I think it was mm. Cathedral. It's been a while. So, but I remember we had to go down and it is a motherfucker. I mean, that thing just going down, 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 down. And it's brutal. Yeah. And, then of, and of course we dropped her off down there and then we had to climb up, 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 up again. But yeah, but it is beautiful on the way. That's for sure. But it's beautiful. So then what, why, most, uh... why was it taking just because it was so slippery? That's why you're going about one mile per hour. Well, so for most of it, there wasn't a trail really there was a few carns maybe a skinny thing uh you were so there's two ways of getting down 
One is called uh, The Bell's Traverse, which we didn't do because we had seen pictures, talked to people. We were warned that there's two sketchy sections. And sketchy means it's kind of on a rock face um, with a ver about a foot wide path, but there's nothing below you, nothing to catch you at all. So, and there's no ropes. Um, so there was just some concern like, hey, given there's an alternate, let's not do that because it's a risk we can manage. Uh, so we did not do that one. That's I think called the normal, the normal route that most people do. I think it's a little more marked or whatever. What we did is essentially we just went down the ravine between the um, uh, the, the, the cliffs of the mountain. So we were following a drainage the whole way, which is a, a river. So the, the trail would go to the left of the river, to the right of the river, through the river. Uh, you'd be like climbing up rocks to get to the top of the bank. Then so you could catch a, a thing because you're, you're isn't in a gully. Um, and you're going over a lot of rocks. There were sections that was probably... 12 to 18 inches wide and then it would go down but it was grass um we had one one of the team tumbled i don't know a mile into it you know uh kind of got bumped on the head everything was okay but you know that kind of like woke everybody up like hey you know let's you know yeah gotta be careful here so it was just um but it was beautiful that was the um prettiest 10 hours i mean the the views of this thing starting at ten thousand feet going through um like the whole way down was just amazing the wildflowers were just starting to bloom so it was beautiful but it was uh i tell you people weren't talking much <laughs> by the time we got to five six o'clock we were just like get get me the heck back to the hotel yeah and and how was the hotel sam uh, the hotel is fantastic. It really was. We got hooked up with the uh, the suites. You know, everyone had their own little uh, like lodge, little cabin, oh, wow. and it's a great little little hotel with a terrific buffet. Okay, Dave. Well, I'm sure you need that. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. Thank you.